Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 186 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes. You're going to learn more about each as the episode goes on. But for now, know this. Omnipod is the tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been using for a decade. We absolutely love it. You can learn more about it at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom, of course, is the CGM that gives us all of the information that we use to make the decisions and do the things that we do with that Omnipod. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox for more information about that. And Dancing for Diabetes is just the beautiful little organization that helps kids living with type 1 diabetes through dance. And all they want from you is to check them out. It's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. Maybe you remember back in episode 179, it was titled Behind the Cheese, and we spoke with Ryan, who's a gentleman who was diagnosed as an adult in his 20s, and he spoke a little bit about how his mother also had type 1 diabetes, but the entire time he was growing up, he didn't know, because his mother hid that from them. Well, guess what? Today's episode is with Ryan's mom, Lori. She's had type 1 for over 40 years. She's going to share her entire story with us, including why she felt like it was necessary and needed to not let her family feel burdened by her type 1 diabetes. Two things to remember. One, nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should ever be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. And two, consider this. If you haven't listened to Ryan's episode, Behind the Cheese, I think you should stop this one and go back and listen to his first. You don't have to, but I would. Hi, I'm Lori. I'm a type 1 diabetic for about 42 years and recently had a son named Ryan who was on the podcast who was also diagnosed at 27 years old, also type 1. So let's go back over Ryan for a second. How old was he when he was diagnosed? Uh, about 26. And how long ago was that now? About a year. About a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So for people who listen to the podcast regularly, you'll be thrown off by the um, immediacy that you get to hear Lori's interview. So Ryan's interview was done many, many months ago, but it ran just recently. It's episode 179. It's called Behind the Cheese. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's a reference to where his mom might have hit her insulin when he was little. <laughs> yes. In the course of me talking to Ryan... He said, you know, I usually ask, like, if there's family history and things like that. And Ryan really kind of took me by surprise telling me that he grew up with a mother who had type 1 diabetes, but they didn't know it. Right. So that's what we're going to get to. But first, Lori, I don't want to out your age. I don't need that. Okay. But how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was about 15. Okay. Do you have any recollection of that time? Um, it's a little bit foggy. But I do have recollection. I'm actually sitting right now in the room that I diagnosed myself, which is why it's um, so interesting. I just remember having extreme weight loss all of a sudden, um, extreme thirst, like my mouth felt like I had a ball of cotton in it. And the more I drank, it just, you know, never got better. It actually got worse. I remember back then, Friendly's was a very common restaurant to go to when I would get a fribble, which is probably just like a thick milk milkshake filled with sugar, which made it worse. Um, but one day, and then I just started generally feeling sick. I was in high school. Um, 
And then I went to the encyclopedia because at the time, that's all we had. I know everybody's going to be <laughs> laughing at the younger generation because I literally went to a encyclopedia. I opened it up. And I don't know why I knew right to go to diabetes. I don't know anybody who has it, nobody in the family, none of my friends, nobody. Okay. Um, and I opened it up, and there was the diagnosis. And I was like, that's what I have. And then I told my mother, we have to go. I think that's what I have. And it was like, that's what I had. That's insane. Yeah, wow. yeah, the encyclopedia. The encyclopedia, <laughs> which you think young people are laughing. Young people right now are going, I don't know what that is. <laughs> They're going to Google right. to find out what an encyclopedia is. I, I am... Uh, Lori, a little younger than you, I think. Um, and I remember my parents buying encyclopedias on a payment plan. That's how broke we are. <laughs> so we would get, we got like A through, you know, whatever it was. And then they'd make payments and slowly the next and the next and the next volumes would show up at the house. Oh, wow. Well, we, we got our encyclopedia because um, a very close friend, we had, a, we had a set and then a very close friend was going through some hard times, I guess. And he was selling vacuum cleaners. So we bought a vacuum cleaner. He sold encyclopedias. So we had a second set of encyclopedias. Anytime he sold something, my parents were nice enough to buy it. So we had two sets. That's amazing. And a great vacuum from. <laughs> Yeah, so yes. I'm, I'm guessing a Kirby cleaner. If I'm if I'm doing, uh, I think it was just the just regular, a, a regular or whatever. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So so you so you die. It's fascinating that you figured it out. You know, isn't it great that your parents made the payments all the way up to D? Yeah, I know. <laughs> or you wouldn't have known. You would have, you would have been like, true. look, I might have. I I don't know if I have encephalitis or not. We get that. <laughs> we get we get that. We get that volume coming. <laughs> anyway, so so you do this. Go to the hospital. How did your life change then as far as your medical procedures? Because 42 years ago is before a lot of the stuff that we have now. So what did you do to, to manage yourself? Yeah, um, very little. I mean, there was not much for me to do other than not eat sugar, um, eat a lot of diet foods, which we now know have carbs. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time it was free. It was free. You know, you could, I mean, diet soda was always free, but you know, diet desserts and, you know, now looking back, it's like nothing is really free for the most part. Um, so I remember that. Um, I remember like my mother used to say, don't stick your head in the sand because I was not really in denial, but I was determined not to let it get me down, determined not to let people know, and determined just to move forward. Almost pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah, I was going to say, is that how the determination showed itself? Was it, it wasn't like, I can overcome this because you didn't have a ton of tools to try to overcome anything with. I had nothing. I had nothing. So if for you, it was just like, if we just pretend this doesn't exist, that's me being determined. Is that sort of like, like act um, like it wasn't there or? I didn't, I, I yeah, I guess I kind of, I acted to other people like it wasn't there. I knew myself it was there and I was very conscious of it every minute of every day, but it, it didn't, I didn't let other people know. Okay. So in that respect, yeah, it was, I was in denial to other people. And which, and, which I still am to this day, okay. basically. Yeah. Well, I'm, what everyone doesn't realize yet is that this is sort of Lori's coming out party. So, but we'll get to, all, <laughs> we'll get to all of that. The dancing for diabetes annual benefit show is coming up quickly. It's on November 10th. And if you live in the Orlando area, I cannot suggest strongly enough that you attend. Go to dancing to find out more. That's dancing. The number four diabetes.com. 
And even if you don't want to go to the show, go check out the cute pictures of the kids dancing. They've got diabetes, so do you. And besides, what are you doing on the internet anyway? Just go do this, dancingfordiabetes.com. So let me ask you something, because that long ago, I have a friend who was diagnosed when I was a teenager, and he would get up in the morning and say to himself, I think I'm going to be a little active today, and I think I'll eat, you know, and he would just kind of guess, and this amount of insulin, he'd stick it in his belly in the morning, we'd be on our way, and later that night around dinner time, he'd take another shot. Was that even... I- was that even what you were doing or what were you doing? No, what I was doing was the doctor gave me, I guess, based on my age, my weight, whatever it was based on, I, I really don't even know. He gave me a number and that was the number I'd inject morning and night Okay. or more than that. I, I, I it's really foggy. I think I, I definitely was on like, um, yeah, I was on a more, uh, MPH and R. That's what is regular and MPH. Right. So he'd give me, and it sounded, it made logical sense. You'll give me an amount for NPH, which lasts 12 or 24 hours. That's your like basal almost, your background. Mm-hmm. And then the Novolog, which was, I mean, I'm sorry, not Novolog. It was the NPH, which is the long lasting. And then the, the regular, which you would put in the same vial. Um, it was not in the same vial, in the same syringe. And you would inject at the same time. Okay. And then one would peak lunchtime and the other would peak later on. So it kind of made sense that one would take over and the other would stop and then the other would take over and the other would start. But what didn't make sense is there was no way to know what you were eating and how it was affecting you. And then you were panicking because you had to eat at a certain time. Otherwise, you know, you would turn into a pumpkin. So um, that just took over your life. What happened when you didn't eat at a certain time? You felt the insulin reaction. Um, but, you know, then you started also panicking feels like an insulin reaction. So there were times you'd start to panic because at the time they didn't have any testing devices for blood sugar testing. So, you know, were you really feeling low and needed to eat something or were you just panicking and having a panic attack? Mm-hmm. So you never really knew. Um, what was ha- you never knew it was happening, and then you were supposed to go to the doctor and tell them how you were feeling, or um, they would do your blood, your you know your um, A1 high, they called it glycosylated hemoglobin, and then he would tell you how you were doing. And, and how do you remember how you were doing, quote unquote? Like what, horrible, horrible, horrible. So horrible. He would say to you, Lori, you're doing horrible. <laughs> he would say you're not taking good care of yourself. With my mother sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. And the two of them would be staring at me. You're not taking good care of yourself. You really need to do a better job. You know, you, this this is really dangerous in the long run. You could be blind and, you know, there's a lot of complications. You know, you can lose your feet and, you know, and, and he was always asking me if I could feel my feet. And and I'm sitting there like, you know, being, being accused of not taking good care of myself when right. – but you were, right? You were you were injecting the insulin the way they told you and eating yes. at the times you were supposed to, avoiding sugar and, and things like that. Yes. Yes. So yes. so basically, if you look when you look back on that now, do you know what was happening back then? You recognize he didn't know what he was doing and this was just the best they had and your numbers were probably never gonna be what he considered to be good. Like there right. was no real way to accomplish that, I imagine. Right, right. So you know, I think the revelation really came when the Dexcom, the Omnipod, you know, came out and I started to use it because all of a sudden the light bulb went on in my head and said, 
all those people that sat in those rooms and blamed me my entire life for 30, you know, five, whatever years that it was my fault and that I wasn't doing the right thing. I was, I think that's part of the reason I was hiding it was because I was always led to believe that I wasn't doing the right thing. And so shame on me. And so I didn't want people to know because I could never say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in really good control. I was not in good control, but I had no way of knowing what that even meant. Luckily for us, it is not 42 years ago. It's right now in 2018. And there are amazing ways to help you manage your type 1 diabetes. One of those ways is the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. Now, Omnipod understands that it might be scary for you to switch to a pump, or even if you already have a pump now, you might, you know, be a little weirded out to go to another one. And that's why they offer a free, no obligation demo of their product. All you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, or click on the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you do that, you will fill in the tiniest bit of information, your name, your address, maybe a phone number, and you will push a button and then the Omnipod demo will come to your house. This is where in the privacy of your own home, on your own time, on your own terms, you can take that pump, that little pod, and you can wear it. Wear it for days, see what you think. See how small it actually is. See how it'll fit into your lifestyle. Understand that after you have it on for a little while, not long at all, I've worn a demo pod a number of times, you won't even realize it's there. That will be the first step into you understanding that there is a world out there that is unencumbered by tubes and allows you to make these amazing adjustments to your blood sugar that will lead to successes and ease of life and happiness that you at this moment maybe can't even imagine. Please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more. There's absolutely no obligation. Fast forward a little bit. You got married at some point, I imagine. Yes. And uh, you made some little uh, little lorries, right? A, and, lot, a, a few of them. A few. How many kids did you have? Well, I have twins. Um, I have Ryan is my oldest. He's 27. Mm-hmm. And um, I have twins who are just about three and a half years younger than he is. They're also boys. I have three boys. So I managed to have Ryan and I have twins and I don't know how I did it. I really don't. You don't know how you met. So was there any kind of like right now, if you went into, if you were, you know, back then, if you were that age back then, you went to your OB's office and said, hey, I have type 1 diabetes and I'm going to have a baby. They would tell you that you had to have your A1C under control and you couldn't have any spikes or real incredible lows. And you had to be like in this incredible control of your blood sugar and your, and your type 1 and everything to even consider getting pregnant. But did any of that happen back then? The only thing I was told was that I had to be in good control, and um, I knew that. I mean, I knew that anyway. I wasn't only doing it because I was having children. I mean, I was doing it because I wanted to live and live a good life. Um, so I was told that that I had to be in like really, really, really tight control, and I was actually told I had to be in tight control before I even thought of getting pregnant, which you know was a good. I think that was a positive thing. So I went. I think I went three months before I decided to get pregnant to the doctor. They did my A1C. I must have starved myself for the three months because I don't know how I did it. But I think I started with a 5.9 A1C. I remember that number, Mm -hmm. which was like crazy good for not really knowing anything. 
Um, so, and then he told me I was all set. I could, I can get pregnant. So, um, I knew that I can get pregnant. And the one question that we asked was, is this going to affect my children? Like, will they, will my children possibly genetically um, be disposed to having diabetes? And his answer was no, that type one diabetes is generally not hereditary. That's type two. And that, um, there is a slight chance, but it's like two to two to three percent. He That's said. That's what they told you back then. I think they. That's say, what they told me. I think they say now that you have um your children have maybe a ten percent um over the whatever the national average is. You have about a ten percent um, more of a possibility, like greater possibility. But it just sounds like it sounds like anything else with health is that they learn, you know, generation after generation too. And I'm sure he was giving you whatever his best information was back then, but. But the idea of being so harsh on you, that I imagine has stuck with you most of your life. Is it still with you now? It's, it's with me now, but it's with me in a different way. It was with me my whole life just being really angry because everybody told me I could do better and I didn't know what that meant. And I wanted to do better. I mean, I'm, I wasn't rebellious. I wasn't trying not to do well and take good care of myself. It just nobody really, and nobody understood that I couldn't. Like, uh, I didn't understand why I couldn't. I just didn't, I didn't know. And then when I did get the Dexcom and the Omnipod, all of a sudden, it was like that moment of that, I just opened my eyes and I said, oh my goodness, all my life people are blaming me and it was never my fault. It was not my fault. I mean, I always say it's like put somebody in a car, put blinders on them, tell them to go and don't hit anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah. I was going to say that it's really interesting how people's minds work. I was standing at a baseball field recently and watching this kid work out um, for softball. And, and she wasn't very good. Like she wasn't bad, right? But she wasn't good. She just didn't, she was fighting against herself. I don't think she was the most physically talented kid. I don't think she had a lot of, uh, baseball knowledge, IQ, like where to go with the ball, things like that. And as she was sort of faltering at this tryout, um, the the father eventually, I guess, got the best of him and he yelled to her to just do better, basically. And I thought to myself, this is no different than if someone said to me, Scott, you have to go dunk a basketball. And if you don't, you know, we're going to we're going to scream and yell at you and, because I can't. Like, Lori, I can't dunk a basketball. You could tell me the right things to do. You could, I could do everything as well as you could explain it to me. I would never be able to jump that high up in the air. I lack, I lack something that would stop me from doing this. This girl lacked something that was making what was asked of her impossible. And it doesn't seem like people care about that. They just want you to get to this place, but don't offer you either uh, direction or, or the con- the confidence to say, like, how great would it have been if a doctor said to you back then, look, I see you're doing your best. And, you know, keep going. Like, don't stop. And being positive. Because maybe they knew in the back of their mind there was no best. They weren't giving you good advice. They were giving you the best advice they had. And I, I'm fascinated constantly by by how that works in, in people's minds. Like, their expectations for other people are, are always sort of um, interesting, I guess. Right, right, uh, so, right. So, so when you have Ryan, you're how old? Um, I was 20, I was thir- just about 30. Just about 30 years old. 
You're, yeah. you're married to a doctor, is that right? Yes, I am. Okay. I am. What kind of, do we know what kind of, can we say what kind of? He's a, yeah, he's a podiatrist. He's a foot doctor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so is, now you're married to a person who's been through medical school. They've, this, your husband's already always known that you have type one? Yeah, because I met him when I was uh, 19. Mm-hmm. So I had already had it for four years. Um, so he, yes, he knew, he, he knew knows. right away. Okay. Yep. So, so yep. Or, things are going good and bad, right? You've got diabetes. But you found yourself a doctor, so yeah. you're on your, <laughs> you're on your way. Um, right. My buddy's a doctor, and he said even when his boys were little, he could see like neighborhood moms like buddying up their seven year old daughters. <laughs> to him. I was like, he was like, oh, come well, on. <laughs> well, being that it's my husband's a foot doctor, people just take off their shoes to him. So it's like wherever we go, we could be in a restaurant. They're like, oh, you're a foot doctor. I just want you to look at this. So, just look at my toe. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> it's a little less sexy version of being a doctor, yeah, I, I guess. Right. I guess it could be worse. <laughs> well, I hear what you're saying. He could be, you know, a proctologist. Just, this is true. That would be so uncomfortable in a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so you you have Ryan now. Uh, to back to go back to Ryan a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me what he meant when he said, "I grew up and I knew something was up with my mom, but I didn't know what." Well, I I definitely hid my diabetes from everyone. I would never talk about it. I would never share it with anyone. Um, I would never, like nobody, nobody. Mm-hmm. I think only my best friend knew, and it was only because she was in school with me when I had to go, you know, I was in the hospital for a few days. I was, I was you know, absent from school. Right. But other than that, I never told anybody. So um, when my kids came along, I didn't want, I didn't want to show any weakness. I think that's like when I have to think about it and reflect, I just didn't want them to see me any differently. Like I didn't want them to think mommy is sick or, you know, if mommy's eating candy, it's because she's not feeling well. I always wanted to be like, maybe not the superwoman, but you know, somebody who's somebody who's got their feet solidly on the ground and just don't worry. Like you don't have anything to worry about. And I really feel like if they knew they would have in some way, shape or form worried. And I just didn't want that. So your your goal was just for them not to not to see you as in need in any way. Exactly. Right. You wanted exactly. you wanted to be there for them. You weren't looking for them to be there for you. Right. Makes right. sense. And and your and your husband, um, how what was his level of of, you know, I guess involvement because you had kids. I mean, you were diagnosed when you were fifteen, but you had kids when you were thirty. So you had had diabetes for fifteen years already by the time you had kids. Yeah, my math is solid tonight, Marie. Okay, <laughs> and so it's I'm so impressed with myself. Anyway, and so um, and so for 15 years you've been living like this. How long have you and he been married prior to the kids coming? Um, we got married in 19. So all oh, before the kids, like uh, a couple of years, three years, okay. four well, years. We were together for a long, like seven before we had kids, but married a couple of years. I get what you're saying. You got a little bored, and here comes Ryan. I understand. Don't. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't, <laughs> Don't let Ryan think of his life that way, but it's fine. He's uh, keeping things moving. Yeah. So, how, like, but what was your husband's involvement with your diabetes? Was there really any? Well, I think he would have been very involved had I let him, but mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to be involved. Basically, there was nothing to be involved with. I was told to do a certain thing. I did it. I was told not to eat certain things. I didn't eat them. 
And other than that, there was no involvement. I mean, I think now the involvement is different because you have all these tools. That, oh, what do you think? Should I decrease this? Should I? It becomes a little bit more mathematical and analytical. Mm-hmm. Whereas back then it was just like, don't do this and do this and go to the doctor in three months and be, you know, accused of not doing the right thing and come home and then, you know, what had you do? Yeah. 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 So basically what I did was I just didn't want to go to the doctor. That became a whole big other other thing in my life is just not wanting to face the doctor because he wasn't helpful. Right. So why, yeah, why go get your whipping right when, when nothing, you're getting nothing in return? How would you, would you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but were you, when it came to the diabetes and were you lonely? Did you feel isolated? What, what was the... The backlash um, of that, do you think? I didn't feel I didn't feel lonely because I mean my husband was always there by my side if I wasn't feeling well or um, you know just to vent to. But um, no, I wasn't feeling lonely, not at all. I didn't want to be part of that community because I didn't. And again, I wasn't in denial. I just didn't want to be part of a community. I just was fine being by myself. I was doing fine, and I was just going to go along and have nobody know do you when you think about who you are like if i said to you lawyer write down a bunch of descriptive words about yourself how far down that list do you think you'd get before you mentioned diabetes very far yeah you just don't think about it like that right no and and yet it's on my mind from the minute i wake up till the minute i go to sleep and and while i'm sleeping and waking up and checking my dexcom so it's it's on my mind every second of every day yet I don't want it. I never wanted it to define me. Right. Um, and it still, it still doesn't, okay. you know? Yeah. So, so when you talk about, well, when Ryan talks about not knowing, like what lengths did you have to go to, to keep them from knowing you had type one? Like, what did you, because, well, but you're still, when they're young, you're still basically sliding scale, right? Like when did you switch to, I mean, I'm, I assume at some point you switched to something like Novolog and said, and, Levamir or Atlantis or something like that, right? How old do you think Ryan was when you made that switch? Um, that was kind of life-changing because I felt like the Novolog at least gave me the flexibility. If I didn't want to eat or I you know, wanted to eat at a different time, I had the flexibility. And again, it seemed like it made a lot of sense, you know, that, um, you know, you took the... Um, you took, what did I take in the morning? It was something like a Levermere in the morning and that lasted, you know, till the night. And then the Novolog was just in between when you wanted to eat something. So that kind of made sense. And that was like one of the things that changed my life for the first time. Do you remember um, when that was like what, like um, in regards to like year or how, old, Ryan? Or, or how old Ryan would have been around? Yeah. I don't, I don't really remember. Okay. I honestly, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering. And so, because what I'm, because of what I'm wondering is, is, to what level did you have to go to kind of mask that you had type one? Because if it was regular and MPH, then, you know, when he's little, I'm assuming you could inject right in front of him and he wouldn't even know. But as he gets a little older, it's not like you're injecting eight, 10 times a day. It's not like you're really even testing still. So you can just sort of morning and night and nobody can really see. I imagine it was part of your your teeth brushing routine. Exactly. Right. I always, I always say that. I always say that it was always part. It was like, you know, you wake up, you brush your teeth. I woke up, I gave myself insulin. I went to sleep, brushed my teeth, gave myself insulin, but I never let anybody see me inject anybody, nobody, nobody, not even my, I mean, not that my husband had seen me. This, I'm going back way, you know, way back. Not that he hadn't seen me, but I just didn't do it in front of him mm-hmm. just because I would just go in a private place. Okay. Um, until the pen came out, then it was like I was doing it everywhere because you could just hide it. 
it was simple to do. You know, I yeah. just want to point out very quickly for people that my analogy about around toothbrushing, you and I have not spoken before about this. I'm very impressed with myself. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, that, okay, so this all makes incredible sense to me. Like, I, 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 if I put myself in the mindset, like, let's, for, for everybody, like, who's just kind of, like, snowballing or, or spitballing this number here, it's 2018, you said 42 years, you were diagnosed, what, the end of the 70s? Um, yeah, so I was 15, yeah, like 77, okay. something like okay. that, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was right before I graduated, I graduated high school in 78, so... Yeah, 76, 77, something like that. This is the part of the conversation where if Arden was here, she'd go, Dad, you're old. <laughs> Call me old, and I would have no response to that, by the way, when she said it, and I would go along with it. So, so different world, different technology, different time, everything's different. You, right. you're, you're pretty much have kind of like, you know, shut out your husband as far as, you know, being around anything. You're trying really hard for your kids not to see. How old was Ryan when the twins came? He was about almost th- almost four, a little less than four, like three and a half, three and three quarters, something like that. Um, yeah. So you were almost mid-30s then? Yes, exactly. 34. He was 34, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and at this point, the charade of um, hiding the diabetes, nothing's changed about that. Ryan's four. Yep. He's, he's heading off to school soon. You, mm-hmm. How is it raising twins with diabetes? Um, I had a very typical pregnancy with Ryan and with the twins. Um, you know, my only thing was I just, um, I just made sure that I was always high because to me, I know I heard a lot of people say, I I haven't heard anybody feel the way I feel actually in any of your podcasts. I've listened to pretty much every one of them. When I am high and when I was high, you know, as far as my sugars being, my blood sugar being high, Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt great. Not a care in the world. Not a care in the world because, um, sure, maybe I was a little bit thirsty, but I not not that much. Sure, I had to go to the bathroom a little more often, but not that much. Um, but I felt great. I felt like I had no anxiety about going low. I wasn't afraid. Um, I was on the top of the world. So um, I never felt sick being hot, you know, having high blood sugar. At that point, did you have a meter that you were using more frequently? Well, again, you know, having like kind of what I said before was that, you know, people were always telling me to do better, but I didn't know what that meant. So having a meter and having a reading, I didn't know what to do with that. So if I was high, sure, it meant I had to take more insulin, but then I was worried I'd get low. And so if I got low, then what? Then I wouldn't go in a car and I'd, and I'd start eating a lot of sugar and candy. So I'd go high again. So it almost to me felt like, why am I testing? I don't, I'm just going from high to low to low to high. And I also kind of tricked myself into believing or felt, you know, had my own like rules that if I saw a one in front of it, I felt good. Like if it, even if it was one ninety nine, I was like, oh, okay, great, great. I got a one. <laughs> You're right. I'm, I got a exactly. one. That's great. I got a, right. Exactly. It could be one ninety nine. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. It's it's crazy. You should have put a piece of masking tape over the screen where the other numbers were and just just like one. No, I got a two. Never mind. Uh, well, that but see that that's really important because I hear a lot of people say. I got comfortable at 200 or I found a 200 was a number I was comfortable with my child being at. And then eventually you talk yourself into believing that that number's okay. And, and you do that by, you know, you do that by, you know, doing what you do. You hold your fear up and you go, okay, well, listen, I'm afraid. 
So under 150 is not okay because that's my fear spot. Yep. And, and I don't want to be 250. And the doctor said I could be anywhere from 90 to 180. So 200 is really only 20 points higher than 180. So I'm doing great. And, right. then, and then you do that, that you know, mind-twisting math in your head to trick yourself into believing that you're okay with what you're doing. And, right. and, and then that becomes normal. And then, right. and then your body becomes accustomed to how it feels at that level. And, mm-hmm. and I know that when I spoke to Ryan, Ryan, now that he has diabetes, I think he carries a little bit of guilt that you felt like you had to keep your blood sugar higher so that you were okay for them. Mm. It's interesting. I, I, I don't know that he used those words, but I remember talking to him and thinking that that had an impact on him as an adult. Probably as a child, he had no idea and he didn't care. I think, but I, right. I I got the feeling like he was aware of it now, like now that because now he has context, like he is I mean, right. He has type one diabetes, has real context. So, um, you said when you got Novolog, you don't know exactly when that happened, but do you know when you when did you switch to a pump? Well, that I can tell you exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, the new Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor is FDA permitted to make diabetes treatment decisions without confirming with a finger stick. What did I just say? Zero finger sticks. No more poking your fingers. Think about it for a second. Now think about this. You are anywhere in the world. And the person you love who has type 1 diabetes is also anywhere in the world. And right there on your phone, your Android or your iPhone, you can see what their blood sugar is. And not just the number, not just, hey, their blood sugar like Arden's right now is 114. But I can see that Arden's blood sugar is 114 and stable. But if it was falling or if it was rising, the arrow that would indicate that fall or rise would tell me how quickly that rise or fall was happening. Is Arden 114 and just drifting down? Or is she falling? Does she need to be notified? Think about it. Think about it. Now think about this. You listen to this podcast constantly, and I thank you for it. Go download some old ones, by the way. And you hear us talk all the time about Arden's A1C. Currently, Arden's A1C is 5.4, and it has been between 5.4 and 6.2 for almost five years. How do we do that? With the Dexcom, with the information that comes back from Arden's CGM. That's how we make decisions. That's how we say, oh, you know what? We missed a little bit on this bolus for this meal. Put in a little more insulin. That quick decision can be the difference between a spike and nothing. I want you to go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Go right now so you can experience that comfort. When did you switch to a pump? Well, that I can tell you exactly. What happened was I know that my doctor had been recommending a pump for many years mm-hmm. But to me, I kept saying, and what is it going to do? Well, it's just a different way of administering the insulin. You don't have to give yourself shots. So to me, I didn't want that. I had no problem giving myself, I mean, not that I had no problem, but, you know, I was okay with giving myself shots. I didn't want anything tethered to me. I didn't want the string. I didn't want the, you know, the, not the string, the, um, the tubing. I didn't want to have to put it, you know, on my skin. I am very vain. And I dressed with, you know, nice fitted clothes and I didn't want, and because I was hiding it from everyone, I didn't want either the tubing or the, you know, anything to show on my body. So if the only benefit was that I have a different way of administering it. 
not enough of a bang for your buck, right? Not at all. I'm like, I don't, I don't need it. I don't want anything. I don't want to be tethered to anything. My friend, so. my friend Charles, who will never <laughs> listen to this, would say that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And it's a very uh, New York thing to say, I think. <gasps> Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> so, uh, and so, so you were just not interested in letting people know. Obviously, from what you've explained to me so far, and everything I know, you weren't looking to announce to people, "Hey, I have diabetes," and this guy wasn't giving you. Because I have to say, saying that a pump is just a different way of delivering insulin is such an incredible understatement. Well, I know I see that now, which makes me realize how little. That as we, you know, I know as you always say, how little the endos really know. And I've, you know, have a lot of experience recently with thinking this doctor that I go to was fantastic. And I, I'm now that I know so much. Yeah. That more recently, after having it for 42 years, the past year I learned more than I learned in 42 years, and realized that she knows it's a woman now because I don't go to the other man mm. anymore. He retired. I know so much more than her that it's scary. I don't want to know more than her. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I understand that. I also, as you've been speaking for the last half an hour, I've been wondering, and I didn't know if I should ask you because I didn't want to insult you, but now that you're uh, you know, more freely talking and, and that you have diabetes and not, you're seeing more community, even if it's just this podcast, you found some sort of a community. Is there any um, hindsight about I wish I would have gotten involved earlier like maybe I would have learned something sooner or felt a different kind of comfort or like do you feel like you do you feel like do you feel like hiding it was did it accomplish what you wanted to accomplish or did it accomplish what you wanted to accomplish at a price no I think that it accomplished exactly what I wanted to accomplish um and I'm I don't feel at all um that I should have come out sooner. I mean, come out sooner. <laughs> if I, you know, should have let people come out of the closet. But um, I, no, I'm. I don't feel it at all, and I still feel like I want to hide it. Okay. I do because I still think that people that are not surrounded by it, and maybe even some that are, mm -hmm. still might see people as a little weaker. And I can tell you that because I work around people, and I work in a school, and there are several children that have it. Yeah. And I look at them, there's one little girl that I know, she's, well, she's middle school, well, she just went to high school, and she has the Omnipod, and she has the pump, and anytime every, oh, poor, you know, poor, I won't mention her name, but, you know, poor, poor Susie, poor, oh, Susie. Susie is eating more cupcakes and more candy than any of those kids in the room <laughs> that are gluten-free and dairy-free, and she's got her pump, and she's going to use it. Right. And so when she wants two cupcakes with frosting, the nurse has to figure out the calculations with her, and she gets her cupcakes. So it's not poor Susie. Right. Or, or there are people that say, why is Susie eating the cupcakes? She knows she shouldn't be eating it. Why are her parents letting her? I don't understand. Just because they, want, you know, they don't want her to feel different? And, and I'm that, sitting here. <laughs> and that impacts yeah. you, right? That really, Big really time. does impact you. Now, do you think that's a generational thing? Because I'll, I, let me tell you this. I saw um, my daughter on just last week. So this is going to be like real time. Last Saturday, um, Arden played in three softball games. We got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, drove somewhere. God only knows where. By the way, if, you, if anyone listening has children, if you put them in a sport, you're going to see just the worst corners of the world. <laughs> and so we're behind like what I think might have been a sewage treatment plant or where, they, or where they stored the garbage trucks for this town on this baseball field, right? And she played at 8 o'clock. She played at 1130. She played at 1 o'clock. We drove home. 
She got uh, something to eat. She changed, took a shower, put on a bikini, went to her friend's house for a birthday party. They're in the hot tub at night. There's a fire burning in the background. She brings home some pictures. It's her and her friends. And there's Arden in her bikini with her Omnipod right on her thigh and her CGM sticking off of her hip. And, mm. and she couldn't possibly care less, neither, nor could any of her friends or the people around her. And so, right. and so I'm totally not trying to make you feel bad, but I'm wondering if, and, the, and by the way, 70, mid 70s till, you know, the 2000s, there's a lot of growth in society since then, obviously, right? Right. Um, but, but do you think that, do you think that you just grew up around a bunch of people who weren't going to like it or do you, and Arden did, or do you think that you set an expectation and she, she set an expectation and Susie's setting an expectations and whatever other people think, then I can't curse on here, but F them, right? Like who, who cares? Who cares what other people think? Um, and I get it. Like, I totally get it. My mom is, more, you know, older than you, but more of your generation. And mm. she certainly would be very careful to hide things about her life and my life and everyone's life. Um, you know, you know, and, and I don't know if that's generational or not. Like, I'm sitting here. I can't decide that while you're talking. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think I, I just think that because the technology right now is so great mm-hmm. and so un- unbelievable that I like I have never felt more normal in my life. Yeah. I don't think anybody even five years ago, you know, from that generation, which is basically this generation. I don't think that they're they're even up to speed on how fast it's things moving. are and how, how, how it's moving and how people are really living like, you know, pretty normal lives yeah. with diabetes. And I feel like there are a lot of people that have it, but not that many. Right. I don't want to be the one to have to educate everyone because that I, I feel like, yeah, yeah because yeah. I do feel like I, you know, I've been around people that have told me things not knowing I have diabetes and I'm looking at them like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one to go around educating everyone. I'd right. rather just, you're trying to live your you life. Know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the goal, right? That's every, and I completely get that. So, all right. Yeah. Um, we, so you said you, you didn't want to pump, you said no to it, but what it's, and by the way, people, I don't pre-screen what pumps people use before they come on the podcast. Okay. So, but when, when did you, when did you get a pump then? So the first thing was the Dexcom before the pump and my doc, my doctor, um, because so what was happening was I decided I was going to take control, like because the meters were better and they were faster. And so I decided to get a better meter and just really like I started to just think to myself, I really have to take control of this. So I'm just going to test myself. So what did I do? I tested myself and I'm not kidding, probably 20 times a day. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I was doing a really good job because by doing it 20 times a day, I was like a human Dexcom. I understand I could see what was happening five minutes after I ate, a half hour after an hour after So I went to the doctor and I started doing really well because I was testing all the time and she thought I had OCD. And she thought I should maybe see, well, she didn't really say you should really see someone, but I could tell that would have been the next comment. She says, that's ridiculous. You can't, you just can't live your life like that. I said, why? Yeah. Because it's just not healthy. I said, it actually is healthy because I don't have the highs, the lows, or at least I'm able to catch them, whatever. She said, a Dexcom is for you. And so I started to listen a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what is it? I said, does it give you the number? She says, no, no, it's not accurate. It doesn't. And this is only two years ago. Which, Which version was it? 
the, probably the G4 or 5. The G4 or the G5. Okay. I think it was the G4 or 5. It wasn't much beyond, you know, before that. I have to tell so, you, I was bolusing from the G5. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't even testing back at G5. But it's, it, again, you're getting, okay, so you're getting your information. How, how many years ago do you think? Two. Just two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what she said to me was, you don't get a number. The number is, in, is not accurate, so don't even look at the number. But what you get is a trend. Mm-hmm. You know, you see if you're going high, if you're going low. Um, she didn't even say there was like a margin of error. It was more like, it's just not accurate. So you just could see. I said, well, then what good is that? I'm actually doing better myself by knowing a number. Yeah. So, um, but she said, but that's really what you need. And so the question of when I got it was when Ryan was diagnosed because I was already like, I had already been in the motion of really taking charge and doing really well. Um, but I didn't have any tools. So when he was in the hospital in the emergency room, um, lying on the table with a 600 blood sugar and nobody was doing anything. I was sitting with him, my husband and my daughter-in-law who is, um, sitting on her cell phone, Googling every, everything there is to know about diabetes yeah. and more. And she said, Hey, Lori, did you know? And now you have to remember, I hadn't even mentioned it to her yet or anybody. I mean, I hadn't come out. I wasn't talking like she knew I had it, but we never spoke ever. Right, right. So here he is on the table and all of a sudden, like my whole life spilled out yeah. and she was showing me the Dexcom and the Omnipod and, the, and all of a sudden it was like, I, you know, like in the Wizard of Oz, when it turns to color, that's what happened. That's yeah. basically what happened. My world went from black to color. And the minute that she said that and we started looking, I realized I had to do this not only for myself, but I had to now do this for Ryan and set a good example. So, Lori, so now I'm going to cry because your whole <laughs> life you were doing this one thing for him and then it turned out the exact opposite <laughs> is what you had to do. This is like an after-school special. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, it's, right, it's ama- right. And listen, I, I have children and I've had a child diagnosed with diabetes and I know what it's like to sit in that room. I imagine it's no different at all if you have diabetes or you don't have diabetes. Um, I think that it is... It's a defining moment in my life. I actually thanked Harden kind of like sarcastically a couple of weeks ago. We dropped my son at college for his first year. Oh, boy. And I, I told Harden privately, I was like, I said, if you didn't have diabetes, this would be the worst moment of my life. So, <laughs> so, but but uh, the day you were diagnosed is still holding really strong. Is maybe, uh-huh. maybe the worst thing I've ever lived through. And And so I have to ask in that moment, if she doesn't, if your daughter, because what your daughter-in-law basically did right then is either she lost her filter about your diabetes because she was so overwhelmed, or she thought, "Hey, lady, it's time for you to spill about this diabetes <laughs> thing." Right? Like it was one or the yeah. other. Like she was, she either wasn't thinking or was really thinking when she hit you with it. Do you think if she doesn't say anything to you, do you think you still have this moment? Dancingfordiabetes.com. Dancing the number four diabetes.com dancingfordiabetes.com go to dancingfordiabetes.com hey have you heard about dancingfordiabetes.com i haven't well you should check it out dancing for diabetes where do i find that well odd you ask it's at dancingfordiabetes.com do you think if she doesn't say anything to you do you think you still have this moment I think that if you just know my daughter-in-law, it's more about I see 
a problem or a situation and I will ha- I want to help. And that's with anybody, you know, any, any, anything and anybody, even if you want to book a hotel room or, you know, you, you want to buy a new pair of shoes, you tell her what you want and she's already done the research for, for gotcha, you. Gotcha. So, um, so that's you just were part, her. You were part of her research basically. I was, I mean, I actually, I think she, you know, she enjoys doing research. So I gave her something to do in a very horrible moment that mm. actually really, really helped. Her. Yeah. distracted her and just helped immensely. So, um, you know, and then the minute I mentioned it and I, you know, mentioned it to my other, my boys, you know, my twins who are all about, you know, they're software engineers, they're all about technology and, you know, living in this generation, they all jumped on the bandwagon and looked it up for me and they were, you know, telling me how wonderful it is and I did this and that. So um, it just, then it just became like a whole support group for yeah, me. I was going to say you, you created your own support group right in Ryan's diagnosis room, basically. Right, right. Yeah. And so he always says what happened, this diagnosis was the worst thing that ever happened to him, but the best thing that ever happened to me. That's how he always, you know, puts this yeah. whole diagnosis together. And then I always say, I don't know if you got this to help me become better or did I get this disease to help you to learn what to do? So it's, you know, it's all... Uh, well, Lori, you're on this podcast now. You just became part of quite literally tens of thousands of people's support groups. So uh, it, it it's just building on itself. And, and you're doing a great thing by by talking about this. Because your story is so uncommon and, and far-reaching as far as time goes. Like, you started a place where people who are diagnosed now can't even appreciate it. And I'm not scolding anybody, but listen, when I see you people on Facebook going, hey, my pump was supposed to last, you know, six days and or three days and it lasted two and a half days. I can't believe this. Or my, can you believe that I lost my CGM signal for three hours today? <laughs> you, you know who can believe that? Lori, who, yeah. Who, yeah, oh, yeah. Who, who was at home going, I don't know what to do. Just stick this stuff in the syringe and let's get going. And, yeah. you know, yeah. like, things have come... It's hard to picture when you're in the moment of it, but mm-hmm. these things have come so far. And to your point, it used to be, and I've said this in the past, but also it's worth saying again, my daughter's had diabetes for 12 years and I'm, you know, we're, we're amateurs compared to you, right? But, but 12 years through a specific span where I can tell you that advancements from diabetes companies didn't used to come every four months. It, it was, it was, hey, we made a meter. Right. That, and that was it. And two years right. later, someone else would be like, hey, our meter's a little more accurate than that meter. Hey, we made a pump. And that was it. And then you didn't hear from again and again and again. Sometimes you'd hear people complain, hey, they have a, you know, innovation in Europe is going faster because the FDA is not as, you know, it isn't there. And, you know, the, what they do in Europe's not as strict. And you'd hear that complaint once in a while. I'm telling you right now, I can have Dexcom or or Omnipod on this podcast three times a year to give you new news about what they're doing. And and there did not used to be, companies didn't push innovation like this until, in my opinion, until Dexcom. When Mm -hmm. when Dexcom came along and said, look, it's our goal to show you the, you know, the reason your doctor told you it's the direction, not the number, is because... You know, when that technology first started, that that's not wrong. You know, Arden had the Dexcom 7 or the Dexcom 7 Plus, which was before the G4. And to say it wasn't accurate 
is to say that back then maybe it would say your blood sugar was 90 and it was really 140 and it would catch back up eventually, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. And the G4 got better. And by the time the G5 came, I, like I said, I, I was making decisions off the G5 and now the G6 is, it's stunningly good. And, yeah. and I'm about to have them back on next month for them to talk about the stuff they're going to announce over in Germany in October. And there's going to be more to talk about and more. The stuff's going to get smaller. It's going to get more accurate. The wear time's going to extend. This Back then, for me, to go from G4 to G6, that's 10 years of innovation back then. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're talking about, what, is it two years, maybe three, Do you know, to, yep. make, to make that leap? It's, it's fantastic. And look what it did for you. It drug you into the, you saw such incredible things. You're like, I can't ignore this anymore. I have to go do this. That's right. What what has the impact been on your health, do you think? What's the first thing you think of when I say you've got a CGM now, you're using a Dexcom, you're using an Omnipod, like what's, what's been the greatest benefit for you so far? I think, I think, you know, it's a toss up. It's a toss up because mentally I feel not only do I feel feel more normal, mm-hmm. but I also have so much less anxiety about leaving my house. I mean, I do leave my house, of course. I'm, yeah. you know, I work. I mean, I'm never home. I'm very, very active. But there was always anxiety around it. So if I knew I was going out, I would eat candy or eat not candy all the time, but you know, like something. cookies or yeah, yeah, yeah. something. Or, and forget about the amount of candy I have. I had my candy and my backup candy. And then, like, I think, I think you had said something to Ryan, like your mother was Willy Wonka, because every crevice of every place, just in case, I always had candy. Right. And um, so um, that in that respect, psychologically, I'm, I feel healthier because I'm able to, to go out na- and navigate my path mm-hmm. and not worry so much. Um, and as far as physically, you know, the, this, you know, the fact that I'm healthier, I think it's just the, you know, the fact that I don't have the, as much as high lows and as high highs, and I'm able to kind of be in a more normal range most of the time. Like, I think it was, I think I was, it was 88% last time I went to the doctor, Spectacular. which I was, I was like flying, flying high. And her comment was that not that I was in range so much. My, my, um, my A1C was 6.2, which I, I was just like over the moon and I went in there. Thank you. I was so excited and she was not excited. She said too low, right? She said too low. (laughs) And she said, in order to get that low, I must've had a lot of lows to compensate for the highs. And I said, no, but I have the CGM. So I don't. And I said, yeah, I said, and by the way, here's my cell phone, and I turned it sideways and showed her my line for the day that was pretty much a straight line with a few little bumps. Right. You know, it happened to be an extra good day because, of course, we know that some days are not like that. Sure, of course. But I turned it sideways, and I don't think she knew what she was looking at, and yeah. she was like, oh, okay. Very, like, I went in there thinking I was going to get, like, a marching band, and I came out feeling so disappointed in her reaction it happens to a lot of people or I get a lot of private correspondence from people who are like, I listened to the podcast. I figured out what you were saying, put it into practice, real excited, went to the endo. They yelled at me cause they thought exactly what you just said. And, and all that goes to show is that the advice you're getting from those people is based on the idea that they don't believe you can do what, what we're all doing. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. dangerous because they're advising you sometimes based on a fear that you don't really have anymore. You, you know, mm-hmm. because you're just, because let me ask you, and I really don't know, are you employing the things that we talk about in the podcast? Do you bump and nudge? Do you, you know, are you a little aggressive when you need to be like that kind of stuff? Um, I struggle with the being aggressive. Okay. I, I, I very much struggle with that because as much as I am, you know, I, I call myself bionic because between my CGM and my Omnipod and my Apple watch and, you know, I've got it all. I feel a little bionic. I still have 40 years of baggage and right. the baggage is when I'm low, that feeling, um, is, is just, I mean, it's just something you don't want to ever experience. And even though I know, um, I see where my numbers are going, it's not going to keep going. I'm not going to like, you know, just pass out. I mean, I could, but I'm not because I, you know, I can shut everything down and eat candy. I still suffer from that, um, panic feeling of not knowing where I am and how low I am and how low I'm going to keep going. What if it so happens I, so fast that it overwhelms you and yeah. you're, you're by yourself? I understand. Yeah. So being, I, I'm Ryan's always telling me, you got to be bold. You got to be bold. And I'm like, I, try, <laughs> I know it's like, like, you the, don't get it. <laughs> you, say, you think that you think that the day you were diagnosed, Ryan was your worst day. It's turning into my worst day. Shut your mouth. I know. I know. Now I really got to take care of this. And, it's, it's and you know, be, every, he's going to be watching you the rest of your oh, life. Now, you don't need this. <laughs> and now everybody, I'm shared with the, you know, with my family and everybody's looking at this. I'm like, this is like, so not me, you know? Right. Um, so it's uh it's a, just a whole different a whole different world for me but I still I do still I do struggle with that baggage of my past. Yeah. Um I imagine it'll get easier as time goes on. I really do. I mean and but at the at the same time you're doing it, right? I mean you you're you've an A1C in the sixes and the low sixes it's spectacular, yeah. right? You eat yep. really you eat normally, right? You're not Um I eat normally for me, you know, I I'm just I like to eat you know, low, I like low carb because that's just what I, you know, I want to stay thin. Um, I eat, yeah, I eat normally for me. I mean, maybe somebody else would say, you know, how come you're not eating bagels and, you know, this and that. But it's for me, this is normal sure. the way I'm eating. No, I don't think there's anything um, wrong with that. I, I'm not denying myself anything. It's just exactly. this is how I choose to eat. Exactly. Can I ask you a question? I, and I meant this yep. or asked this earlier. I want to go back a little bit. Ryan's diagnosed. And, mm-hmm. and you guys sort of form this relationship around diabetes now. Is that a mothering instinct, do you think? Like as much as your instinct told you not to make your kids feel like they were um, need to look out for you, and, and do you think that being more available to Ryan and talking more about your diabetes, is that just feeling like your responsibility as a mom? Um, I think it's just very natural because, um, you know, Ryan and and my other boys, you know, Greg and Doug also were, you know, very, very close. I talked to them pretty much. Well, the boys, I, or one of them still lives home. I talked to them every day and I talked to Ryan pretty much every day, if not texting and back and forth. So I'm very connected to them. Um, and, and specifically, you know, speaking about, speaking about Ryan, um, you know, we definitely have something much more in common now than we did before and the mothering instinct does come out but I think I also am approaching the relationship about diabetes with him from the perspective of he knows what he has to do he knows how to do it he's better at it than I am Mm -hmm. and you know if I see a low or a high and we're shared on this you know the shared situation 
I might remind him what's going on, but I'm not going to point my finger like they did to me all those years sure, because I know that he knows what to do and how to do it. With me, I got all the fingers pointed to me and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, you're not doing that again to somebody else, right? No, yeah. no, it's, no. It's funny how our minds react. When, when we go through something bad, we either become, you know, the polar opposite of it or we embrace it, right? Your parents, mm -hmm. your parents are screamers. You either end up being a screamer or you never talk above a whisper, like, mm -hmm. like, like that sort right. of a thing. And so it's, it's great that it, that, that had enough of an impact on you that you realize like, this is not the way to treat people. And, no. and I'm even sorry to hear that you went back with your grade M1C and sort of got pushed back because that must have been very reminiscent of when you were younger. It must have felt pretty terrible, well, I would imagine. I mean, I think she, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was, ne I didn't really look at it as like negative. I looked at it as nonchalant, just nonchalant. And then, and then to add, you know, add insult to injury when I got the report in the mail, cause you know, I, I talked mm -hmm. to her when I got it, but then they send the, the hard copy and it, everything was like perfect, perfect. And at the bottom she wrote, her comment was, um, everything looks fine. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Everything looks fine. I you if you would have heard me screaming at the mailbox, I, I came. I came in the house. <laughs> I'm 40 years of getting this six, and this is everything is fine. That's it. Fine. Oh, man, I mean, yeah, pissed. and I, I I did. I came in the house, and I was showed my husband. And I was screaming. I was like, "Can you believe this?" And of course, you know, he being as supportive as always said. What do you care what she says? You know that it's amazing. We all know it's amazing. We know how hard you work. Why do you care what she says? Right. I said, because I just can't believe that she has the nerve to write doing this. Um, everything looks fine. I'm like, I'm better than fine. I really wanted to just go back and say, do you know how much work this took? When you, when she, when you told her, look, no, I have a nice stable line. I'm not too high. I'm not too low. Did you tell her how you work? Like, you didn't say to her. I listened to a podcast, right? Like that. I did. Did you really? Oh God. I did. I did. I told her, I mean, you, you, you are like, and I, I don't even know where to begin to tell you how much your podcast has. I'm going to, now I'm going to cry. Your podcast has absolutely changed my life. I, I don't, I mean, words could not begin to tell you because Every time I listen to one, and it's interesting, I see you have one about a, a baby and a mother and a husband and a wife and a caretaker and a, you know, a dancer. And I look at it and I'm saying, uh, that's not really me. Like there's nothing that there's nothing in there that I could really, you know, I'm sure it's an interesting story. But what I realize is that every story has something I learned from. So that's amazing. And I don't, there are not enough hours in the day for me to listen to all the podcasts. So I take walks. I have a new puppy. I take walks with the puppy. I got those ear bud, I, you know, whatever the things the you, AirPod, you have. AirPods? Yeah. Good for I have, you. I have, oh, I'm telling you, I'm bionic. I have the Apple Watch. I, I, I Now I'm getting the brand new phone that's, you know, the whatever. I, I mean, I am so hooked up. Um, but every one of them is there for me to, to listen to a podcast. So I, I'm sorry it's costing you so much. I know I tell people the podcast is free. <laughs> Apparently, it costs a couple thousand dollars yeah. a year in gear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've had my, you know, my boys listen to the podcast, and my husband listens to parts of it. And it's just I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, you didn't. I, I wasn't setting you up to say something nice about no, me. no, I, no. But I, but I very much appreciate that. And I have to tell you that as time goes on, I'm much better at taking that compliment than I was at the beginning. If you go back 50 episodes, I would have said something stupid after someone said that. But I genuinely appreciate that that's how it has struck you and, and that's how it's helping you. And it is totally my goal. 
And so it's really fulfilling to see that it's having that effect. And, and I'm just pleased that you found it. I really am. If, if nothing yeah. else, I'm just very happy for you. Yep. We are coming up on an hour, but I don't want to rush you off. Um, I want people to understand that Lori was really very nervous to do this, that I have, it's funny how it happens. Most of your scheduled recordings happen. They go off without a hitch, but I must have had to push Lori off like 73 times at this point <laughs> to the point where this morning I overslept through our recording and, and I could not have possibly felt worse and got a hold of her. And I said, look, well, so we're doing it in the evening, which I never do. Um, and, and I just wanted her to, I want you all to know that when you hear this, this week, it, it was just recorded six days prior and I'm putting it out very quickly ahead of others that I've recorded in the past because I don't want Lori to feel nervous every day for months and months and months until this episode comes out. So we're, uh, we're getting it right. She's getting special treatment because I, uh, cause I slept through her podcast recording. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because, uh, anyone that knows any one of us in my family, we can't, can't wait for anything. So you did perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, your son and your son is terrific by the way. Like I really enjoyed inter- talking to him. Like, he just, he really just, he, he amazed me like along the way, even to the point where I realized I was interviewing him. He was sitting in an airport and I was interviewing him and I, and I didn't even, yeah. know, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, well, he, he travels a lot for his business, right? He does. And you know, nothing ever seems to knock him down. And when his diagnosis came, he was, um, had a scheduled trip to, I don't know if it was his first trip or his second, I think it was his second trip to India. And there he is lying on the table with a 600 blood sugar, not really knowing, you know, what to do about anything. Um, And he, all he kept saying was, I got to be on a plane to India in a couple of days. You know, they better get this thing figured out for me because, you know, I got to get on a plane. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, uh, that made me feel so good because if it were me, I'd be thinking of how many ways I could get out of doing that until I got myself together. And he couldn't, he was like, you know, they just better help me figure this thing out because I'm going to India. And that, you know, that just tells me about his resilience, which I wasn't surprised about. Well, you have it too. I mean, you said, listen, you, I'm spoken to you for an hour now. You don't seem uh, in any way like you're, like you're downtrodden from having diabetes for all these years. You don't feel beat up. You don't say things that make me think that you are feeling sorry for yourself or suffering some sort of, um, you know, a depression about it or anything like that. And you made a decision just to like, you just said to yourself, I'm going to be as normal as I can be with this. And you did it. I mean, Mm -hmm. over decades with no technology, no support from doctors. I don't uh, imagine your parents were very involved. Right. And so, yeah, so really I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything less from, from a child that you raised. And, And I have to tell you that what you did in the beginning, though I think you did it in a different way than I did, is very similar still in tone. You know, when we we said, um, I'm sorry, my wife is asking me if they want me to bring me anything from dinner. Uh, sorry, oh. hold, hold on a second. That's I'm okay. just going to say, no, I'm good. Uh, thanks. Um, anyway, we set... You know, we said about, I said, to, and we, and my wife and I agreed early on, like, we, we need to treat this like it's common. Like, it's just, it's not, not who she is. Forget all that. Just like this doesn't really exist. It, it's, it, it is what it is. It takes what it takes. And then once it gets what it needs, it's gone. And, right, and we, right, and we right. live and our that's... days that way. Mm-hmm. And it's why I'm proud and... of some of the things we talk about on the podcast, because once you figure them out, they really don't require that much upkeep. 
and mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? And, and that was purposeful on my part because I didn't want to be thinking about this all the time. I don't, you know, I, I, Arden's had a pretty rough couple of days. I think she's, um, there's a, a spot in time before her period where she gets more insulin sensitive and, mm-hmm. we're, and we're making it through those days right now. And still it hasn't been all that, you know, um, it hasn't made that big of an impact on our life. It, and it, and I'm talking about like, oh, she's 60, it's hanging there. You know, you know, like like lower lows that are holding on, things like that. Not dropping, not crazy lows. But, but you know, yesterday afternoon, Larry, I'm going to tell you a story about the pride in my kid while I got you on. So yesterday I had to go to the dentist. And I was in the dental chair for 90 minutes. Arden comes home from school. Two o'clock in the afternoon, she says, I'm hungry. I said, okay, well, I gotta, we got to get you set up here with something, and I have to go. I have a 3 o'clock dentist appointment. So she gets herself a bowl of Apple Jacks, and that's what she's going to eat. And I, at that moment, don't know that she's about to get into this span of lower blood sugars, needing less insulin because of this, this space and time around her right. period. So I bolus, and she and I, you know, I, she shows me the bowl. I'm like, what do you think that is? She goes, it looks like seven units to me. I said, I think you're 100% right. She gave herself the insulin. I go to the dentist's office. I'm, you know, in the chair. I, you know, she gets me prepped. He's about ready to, like, put me back. I look again. Her blood sugar is 90. It's, like, 45 minutes afterwards. I'm like, this is exactly what I expected. And he works on me for a while. And um, I fall asleep, which I don't know how crazy that sounds to somebody. <laughs> But it yeah. was uh, it was a treatment of an old root canal. I put my headphones in, put in a podcast that I listened to, and I <laughs> fell asleep. And so they wake me up. Uh, I have a kid with diabetes. I sleep wherever I can. So <laughs> so they, they wake me up, and the first thing I do is I pull myself together, I rinse my mouth out, and I check my phone to see what her blood sugar is. And Arden's blood sugar is low. Like, it says L-O-W oh my on God. our Dexcom. So she's by herself <laughs> at home. And I text her and I'm like, I don't even like it. There's nothing. I'm just like juice, juice, Arden, you know, um, and, yeah. and, you know, and i so I'm, I'm a little dazed. I don't know how long she's been low or anything like that. I'm like, Arden, you need to drink a juice, turn off your basil, blah, blah. And she goes, I get a text back. I should find it for you. Right. Hold on a second. Let me, let me, let me come on. We're over an hour now. No one cares. We'll keep going. <laughs> let me go back here. Um, it says, already had a juice and some chocolate. I could have oh more. I could have more if you weren't texting me so much. <laughs> so I said, I said, hey, your blood sugar says low. How long ago did you drink the juice? And I'm like, and chocolate doesn't work on low blood sugars. I need you to test your blood sugar, I tell her. Right. So Lori, hold on to yourself. She tests. And I'll tell you on this podcast, and I say all the time, once or twice a year, Arden will have a really low blood sugar, just like everybody with diabetes does. But they right. real, they really only happen once or twice a year. This this right. year, this year while I'm at the dentist's office. Oh my god! The meter says thirty eight. <gasps> and so I'm still sitting there. He's not done with me yet. I text my wife, "Are you home?" She's like, "No." I'm like, "Are you close?" She says, "Yes." I'm like, "How close?" She says, "Twenty five minutes." I respond to her. Oh that, my god! That's not close. <laughs> Never mind. I go back to Arden and I said, "I need you to drink another juice and make sure your basil's off." And she goes, I don't want to drink another juice. Oh, my God. And now I'm like, is she combative? Or did she, you know, so I'm like, how long ago did you drink the juice? She goes, a few minutes ago. My blood sugar is going to come back up. I turned my basil off. 
And I'm like, Arden, just drink another juice, please. There's no time. Drink another juice. Your your blood sugar is dangerously low. Drink juice. And she goes, Dad, I knew. I felt low, so I had a juice. And I'm feeling better now. Trust me, please. Oh, boy. So I said, okay, would you eat something? And there's a pause and a pause and a pause. And she goes, I'll have Cheetos. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) That was the end of the text. It is the end of the time that we talked there. And so I waited a couple of minutes. I watched the arrow turn back up. It it was diagonal down low, by the way, when I first looked. Oh my gosh! So so I'm I'm I I sitting in the chair. The guy's like, I can let you go in just a minute. Meanwhile, the the his aide is looking over my shoulder while I'm like, you're gonna die. Do something, right? So she's (laughs) like, I think he really has to go, and I'm like, I really do. And he goes, well, I I can't like you can't leave. Like I have to finish this. And and he had a couple. He's like, just a couple more minutes. So I'm like, okay. So there the arrow goes, low diagonal down, and then suddenly it's steady at 40. And oh, then, boy. And then it's 43 and 45 and 52, and then the arrow swings the other way. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, she's okay. Y- yeah. You know, she's okay. She did what she was supposed to do. None of this went the way we expected to. And it's still, she's all right, you know? And she, yeah. And she handled it. So I let the dentist finish and I got in the car and I called her and I said, Hey, you know, I'm on my way home. And she's like, whatever, I'm good. So I got home, Lori and I came in the door and she's just hanging out doing her homework, just like she was when I left. And, um, her blood sugar leveled out and it was good. She actually treated really well. She didn't over treat and she was right there. And I told her, I'm like, honey, I need you to really understand. I a hundred percent trust you. I said, but I came into that situation a little blind and I was a little dazed from like being asleep and I really didn't know how long you had been low. I didn't know if you'd address it. I said in my heart, I didn't know if you were unconscious when I started texting you. And I said, and when you said you didn't want another juice, I realize now you said that because you knew you didn't need it, but I didn't know if you were just being combative because your blood sugar was really low. She goes, I was good. And I was like, okay. And that was was the end. I'm pretty impressed at the fact that she, um, doesn't panic when she gets low. I mean, if if somebody told me that I should drink another juice or eat something like wild horses couldn't (laughs) stop me because I, I get so panicky and so scared that I'll stuff my face. I'll gorge my face. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll just keep eating. Um, I've gotten better with that because now I can actually see what's happening. And I do realize that the arrow for the Dexcom takes especially with those really low lows it's not takes a little while to catch up Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm better but um you couldn't stop me from eating a whole box of cereal and especially if somebody told me they thought i should (laughs) i (laughs) you wouldn't i mean you know i think ryan i think ryan once said it that you know if he's low and he is looking for sugar, he would eat a gumdrop off the bottom of somebody's shoe if he had to (laughs) of course (laughs) i was really listen i was And this is something that I think that I'm telling the story is valuable for. Because like I said, first of all, this is not a a daily occurrence, not a weekly occurrence, not even a monthly occurrence. This is a yearly occurrence, right? A a blood sugar that low. And so, um, but what I was most impressed with was that she just sort of followed the steps we talked about. And one of the things I say all the time, I think, is what she did is what she trusted that what she knew was going to happen was going to happen. She She drank the juice. 
and she she's like this is going to work and look maybe it you know there might have been a moment where it didn't work but we also to be honest with you the seven units back to that bowl of cereal in any other you know time of the year I underbolused a little bit because I was leaving. I had no idea. Like I, I don't track my fourteen-year-old daughter's period. Although I guess now I should. But, <laughs> but, but apparently, like it was just dumb luck. It was dumb timing, right? But when when she handled it and she was being, you know, coherent and she told me she was eating. If mm-hmm. I told you, I was never really upset or worried. I don't know what that says about it. I about me. I think it just says that. Like I tell people all the time, like eventually you will have so many experiences that those experiences will inform how you feel in the future. And I would have been worried if there was a reason to worry. Trust me, I would have ran out the door with a dental dam in my mouth if I thought I had to, right? <laughs> right, but, of course. But, but I watched it and I was like, no, I can see how this is going. She's right. This is going to go the way she said. And yeah. so that kind of data and that kind of feedback from this equipment and and it's just – I don't know. It's spectacular. Like it really yeah. is, you know? Yep. Yep. And it's spectacular that you have a daughter that has you to model the, um, you know, the correct way to manage her diabetes because, you know, I, you do speak of what you're doing out loud. And I think that's, that's part of the modeling that she sees what you're doing in certain situations. So it's the whole plan, Lori. Just, yeah. just, it's just like any yeah. other parenting situation. You don't bother telling them things. You don't bother writing it down. You just, you be a role model, and that's right. And they'll they pick it up as they. That's right. That's right. And I think that's what you're doing for all of us as well. You know, you're talking out loud of how you're bolusing and what you're bolusing, and you know how you're managing Arden is um, modeling, modeling it for us. You know, I never I thought of that, but now, yeah. that, now I will forever. So thank you very much for saying <laughs> that. That's very nice. <laughs> Well, we're now way over time, so I'm going to say goodbye. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I don't want to leave anything out. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think we, we touched, on, touched on everything. Excellent. That, you know, yeah. Yep. Well, I can't thank you enough. I can't apologize enough for sleeping through our time this morning. <laughs> That's but okay. I'm very pleased that you were able to be flexible with me tonight. Thank you. I, it means a lot. I think this was really a spectacular um, a conversation so i'm i'm super excited to get it up and uh and i will uh i won't even bother telling you what happened you'll just open up your app and it'll be there oh i'm excited thank you so much have a great night. thank you Bye-bye. thank you. you you too bye-bye huge thanks to Lori for coming on and being so honest and of course for ryan for being back on the other episode that caused Lori to come on this you know the whole thing i don't have to tell you again but thanks to ryan and Lori to their entire family for being so transparent with us about their life with type 1 diabetes. Thank you also to Dexcom, Dancing for Diabetes, and Omnipod. Please go to your app right now and click on the link in the show notes. That's where it's at in your diabetes app or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Go find out more about all of the great sponsors of the Juicebox Podcast. When you support them, you support us. And us is me and me is the podcast. So if you like the podcast, click on a link. What else? Oh, oh, I know what else. There's one more thing. If you get the chance, go back and download a couple of old episodes. Just one or two a week. If you don't have the chance to listen to them right away, that's cool. Make a plan. But if you do have the chance, I think it would be amazing. I think a lot of stuff has gone by and you may have missed it. So if you liked this episode, just remember there is a ton of what you might call evergreen stories 
you know, evergreen, like they never go bad because they're not really time sensitive. You know, stuff about tech from two years ago, you'll skip, but you heard Lori say it in this episode. Every week she says something comes up on the podcast and she'll look and say, oh, that's like a mom of a kid. That's got nothing to do with me. And then she listens and realizes, well, this has everything to do with me. So go ahead back, find an episode you haven't listened to yet and uh, give it a try. I'll see you next week.